This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome back to the First Cup Podcast with Kyle Porter. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. And joining us today, uh, the esteemed friend of the show, uh, Sean Martin of PGATour.com. Sean, welcome back. Uh, how are you doing? We had to bring you in here because, uh, you know, you've, you're really good at being able to hold us accountable, probably as, as much as anyone else. And since we've been going so hard on Augusta and since, you know, Kyle's coming out at the top of recap podcast, talking about how his mind's already in Augusta, we had to bring you in also so that you could, uh, talk about Augusta and the masters coming up here, uh, in less than two weeks. I appreciate it. This is a good warm up for me. I'm just getting ready uh, to head there. Not as soon as Kyle is, but uh, yeah, I'm getting getting psyched, getting ready for Augusta, and uh, I'm always happy to hold you guys accountable. <laughs> getting getting reps in, getting ready for the Masters. It's good. Your your comeback begins. That's right. Coming off paternity What's, leave, so just jumping right into the fire. What's oh. the last tournament you covered? Uh, the the Tory Pine. So we're just I'm on the tiger schedule. Tori, you got the <laughs> How much of the match play did you take in over the weekend? Uh, a fair amount. I love uh I love the match play. Um I think it's a unique event, obviously. Um you get some cool stories. Uh I like to look at, you know, past showdowns and, and stuff and you get some interesting ones. Like I was all about the Furick and Mickelson one just because those guys have been around forever. And then you get the cool upsets of, you know, so called no names that are really just very good players that maybe people haven't heard about. Um, and to my, uh, my two year old, he loves him some golf. So it's a good, uh, a good thing to sit down and watch him golf with him. So, uh, he's probably, he might be the bigger golf fan than I am, but, uh, that's a, a good one too. While we're trying to handle the newborn. Chip, I think, I think Sean's underselling this a little bit because he was texting me and poor articles from the 1998 us amateur, uh, in which Sergio Garcia and Matt Kuchar played at, uh, wow. Oak- where was it, Sean O'Kill? Well, so, yeah, a little, little context. I'll, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, but so it was 98. Uh, Kuchar was the defending U.S. amateur champion. Sergio was the defending British amateur champion. Uh, and they faced off in, like, I think it was the third, second round. And on the first hole, they both have, like, 10 footers. And, you know, for some reason, Sergio just goes, hey, you want to do good, good? And Kuchar is like, yeah, sure. So they just did good, good on 10 footers for some reason on the first hole. And so it just, it was very funny and kind of ironic that, uh, their match this year was sullied, I guess, by a controversial non-confession when, when they first met up, there was a very interesting, uh, double concession, I guess. Well, 21 years later, only Sean Martin is going to be able to tell you that this rivalry was brewing a long time ago at the amateur level. Um, that's, I mean, 
that's awesome. That's epic. It adds it adds another little wrinkle to something that we discussed. We hit on Kucha last time, and it is time for Stock Up, Stock Down, brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Taking a look at uh, players and trying to forecast what things are looking like. We discussed Matt Kucha's Q1, one really great stock, sort, especially in terms of the fandom. Stock has certainly taken a tumble, but uh, I don't think that we've got enough data points. I don't think we've got enough sales to be able to talk about the fandom or the popularity of our, our next golfer for today, stock up, stock down in TD Ameritrade. So pitching it to you first, Kyle. I think that as we look at Lucas Beauregard, he was made a deep run in the, the match play, and he is... Is, is he someone that we have to take more seriously? Because prior, I was listening back to our, our match play preview show, and that was the discussion, is if, if a player is really, really bad at match play, you know how much can you take out of it? But then the other side, if a player uh, goes on a run, gets out of the group play, gets, goes deep in the elimination rounds, is that something that you can take away from moving forward? So as we look at uh, Lucas Beauregard, how, how do you forecast sort of his stock right now and what it's going to look like moving forward? I mean, my I, I, to be honest, I was going through my ranking the field, and I and I had his name in there, and I was like, I don't I don't know a ton about this guy because I did it before the match play, and then watching him at match play, it's like this guy's really good, and he's good in a way that seems repeatable. Like it wasn't like he was making all these fifty five foot putts, and you know, like just getting lucky on the way that kind of matches broke like he he's a really good ball striker and he's got you know just researching him a little further he's got uh really he, he's had a really good trajectory over the last few years like he's had fewer missed cuts each year he's moving up in the world rankings uh he won the dunhill links last year which is a big deal because that's on you know some some really classic courses i really like him and he's still pretty young like we think of uh, he's 27 so he's not it's not like he's you know 20 uh, but we think of like to for somebody to be young we think they have to be like 19 or 20 and the you know I, I just I think that somebody can still be considered super young at the age of of 27 and, and kind of uh, kind of grow into their 30s so I don't know if they'll ever like make a Ryder Cup team or anything like that but I really like him as a player I, I think he's um I think he's a lot of fun to watch and a really good ball striker Sean, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm better with the uh, the pedigree. Like, I know that everyone, this is kind of a no name, and how did this guy be Tiger and, and those sorts of things. And but I think Kyle nailed it. And uh, I tweeted something that uh, our friend Shane Bacon jumped on. But after Tiger beat Rory, I was like, you know, Tiger's got a big tall task on his hands here. He's trying to beat two former European amateur champions, uh, Rory and Beauregard. So this guy's had pedigree from his amateur days. That was a big win at the Dunhill, like Kyle said. I mean, he beat Tommy Fleetwood and Cyril Hatton. Uh, they both finished second, so he took down some big names there. And um, he's just a big, strong player, and I think the kind of guy who who can have some success. And you know, he's just kind of getting his first taste of playing kind of regular PGA Tour events and playing a regular schedule in the United States. And he's he's done well. He finished 12th at the Honda, 30th at the Players, first time playing both those events. So, I mean, the guy was playing well. I think. To, to treat it like some sort of big shock or surprise really kind of, uh, I think, is, is incorrect. I mean, obviously, I don't think Lucas Beauregard five years ago imagined beating Tiger Woods in the match play, but at the same time, it's not a fully unfathomable event, and I do I like his trash. <laughs> Good trash. <laughs> Good trash. Stock up. Stock up. All right, so we're, we're uniform, uniformly supporting Lucas uh, Beauregard with stock up. Sean, what's the... 
how often do you see um, there being any kind of is there any kind of learning curve as as you adjust to playing a more full PGA Tour schedule when you're uh, splitting your time between tours and trying to figure out uh, how to how to fill out your calendar? Is there any kind of uh, advantage or disadvantage that players who who've come up solely on the PGA Tour, whether they're you know European or not, but uh, if you've come up. Or you know from anywhere in the world, but is there is there any any learning curve there to uh, to getting in the rhythm of playing a more full PGA Tour schedule? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's just a little stuff of kind of getting comfortable of just you know how they do things and, and and when you get to a new tournament, where do you eat, where do you stay, that kind of stuff. But then also like especially this time of year, I mean, it sounds stupid and wonky, but grass. I mean, they don't have a lot of Bermuda grass courses in uh, in Europe or any, I should say. Um, they do play some in Asia where it's hotter, but so you're playing different grasses, which is a really big deal. It sounds stupid, and, and people are probably tuning out and hitting the, like, 30-second skip-forward button, but, like, that's a big deal. I mean, that's the one – that's a different playing surface. It, the ball reacts differently out of the rough, grain on the greens. Like, that's one of the bigger adjustments. And, two, just – I think, you know, you're playing with players that you don't know, so there's not that just comfort factor. And I think with golf, just like other stuff, when you're not – as comfortable, it's harder to perform at your best. And so I think there is definitely a learning curve, but obviously you've handled it very well. I don't think that the, uh, you, you really underestimate how many agronomists, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, grass we, following. <laughs> we've got, we've got a big time grass following. All right. So we are, <laughs> wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, Sean, how many of the top five Danes in the world can like the, t- the, the five highest rank Danish players, how many can you name? Uh, I was wondering if Thomas Bjorn was still on that list. I can't name he's, another. I was wondering. He's six. Is it too soon? Is, he, uh, is it too soon to call uh, Beauregard the Great Dane? That's what they were saying on uh, on on Golf Channel, I think. But uh, Thunder Bear, you forgot about him. Oh gosh! Which, by the way, in my research uh, for this podcast, since I'd like to go deep, I found out that the Great Dane is actually a German dog breed. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if you believe anymore. <laughs> So it's it's Berengard, Thorborn Olsson, Joachim Hansen, Soren Kelchen, who finished pretty high up in the 2016 Masters, uh, and then Jeff Winther is the fifth highest ranked Dane in the world. So come here for all your Danish takes. How many of those are uh, are in the Masters field this year? It's just it's just uh, Thorborn and Berengard. All right. Uh, I want well, to say they contended at this year's World or the last year's uh, World Cup of Golf. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch that one. I didn't watch that. Who plays in the World Cup of Golf? Uh, or competes? Players from each country in the world. Uh, I know that. Uh, didn't it used to be Belgian. a WGC? It did. That's when Tiger hold that amazing. It's one of the greatest Tiger shots ever. That doesn't get enough credit. But like, he needed to. They need to eagle that hole to get in a playoff, and he's like short sighted down below some swale and hits this like bump and run into it. Uh, and hold it with Duval to get into a playoff. Uh, they lost to someone. But yeah, yeah Duval, oh, sorry. It was Duval we, we was like on these. Duval was like middle of the. Go ahead. You go. Duval was like middle of the fairway and like couldn't <laughs> couldn't even hit the green. I think I don't know if I'm remembering that right, but I remember Tiger being pissed about it and then just making it. Yeah, we were we're sleeping on the golf power that is Denmark. Uh, Denmark finished fourth in the World Cup, but uh, it wasn't even with Beardard. It was uh, Thorborn Olsen and uh, Soren Kjeldsen. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Watch out for Denmark. 
Luke, watch out for Denmark. Watch out for Lucas Beardgard. Stock, we have agreed definitively going up, and that is Stock Up, Stock Down, brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Uh, visit tdameritrade.com, member SIPC. Okay, so we've got uh, we've got memories of Tiger Woods in the World Cup of Golf. We've got the, the Tiger Woods in the present. Lost to Lucas Beardgard in the knockout rounds, but uh, kind of a... Kind of fun to see him t- to make a charge, at least out of group play. The the Rory match that was mostly uh, listless, I guess. So as as we're turning our attention towards Augusta, Sean, the how do you temper the how how do you grade out what will determine uh, Tiger Woods' finish? Like, is it where as you're trying to assign weight and value to your decision making process, how much of it is Tiger? And how much of it is everyone else? Uh, I mean, Tiger sucks the oxygen out of the room, but I don't know. Tiger, it's so interesting with Tiger because you, it's unfathomable to think, but like he almost needs to like get accustomed to playing in majors again. Like remember last year, I mean, he played so well going into Augusta and finished like 32nd. He played well going yeah. to the U S open and didn't play well. And you know, you, he's talked about like first tee jitters and that he actually does have those, which it seems impossible to think of tiger ever getting nervous, but really it's happened the last few years when he's played full years of like, he'll play really well in regular events when he's healthy. And then he gets to majors and like lays an egg. And I think there is, I think there's some nerves on that because I mean, you think about it, the guy, he wants five more majors, which I mean, that's a hall of fame career right there, but he wants that 19. He wants to get to Nicholas. And really, I mean, he's only got, maybe 20 more shots. He probably has to win 25% of his remaining like serious contention majors uh, to do that. So there's a lot of pressure because he only has a few chances left to, to do that. And so I think that's really going to be the, the big determining factor. I mean, I think obviously potting at Augusta has kind of hurt him as well. He can, I think, play that course tee to green blindfolded. But I mean, I think nerves and putting are going to kind of be the, the big things for him. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I think that I I was thinking about Tiger this morning. I was reading about uh, Bob Herrick had something kind of comparing his start to 2018 compared to 2019, and and you look at 2018, and and he had some he had some really good finishes. Like he almost won Valspar, obviously, and and played really well at some of these events. And and you look at 2019, and you're like, has he has he played well? But then you look at strokes gained, and he's like seventh in strokes gained. Like he, I, I I think he's I think we do this thing where we look at finishes or like if you want an event, be like, oh, this guy's playing awesome. And it's like, well, is he? Is he hitting the ball well? Is Kevin Kisner really hitting the ball well? He finished 20th in strokes gain at match play. I know he won, but what does that mean for Augusta? And so I think I think people are kind of undervaluing how how well Tiger's been playing. He hasn't putted well, which I think has led to some of the scoring issues and uh and some of the lower finishes you know outside the top 15 or top 20 but i actually think he's playing more consistently better if that makes sense uh, this this year than he was last year well can you make the new uh since the Ryder cup has passed can you edit that and make i was thinking about tiger this morning the new uh repetitive (laughs) intro clip for kyle i can't it's that's not that is not at all that's not a, t- a tough ask at all um well all right kyle what about you because i i found myself getting to this place with tiger woods where uh you mentioned the 
number seven in strokes gained. We, we obviously because he's Tiger, uh, and as Sean said, he sucks all the oxygen out of the room. Like we, we, we have sort of detailed his every twist and turn, you know, all the way for almost a year and a half now. And uh, there, there have been the highs and the lows. But as as we go into actually trying to handicap the twenty nineteen Masters, I can't help but, uh, I can't help but look at that crowded elite tier and understand that even being number seven in strokes gained, even with more institutional knowledge and and being able to know every single twist and turn and bend and roll of Augusta national, that there is, uh, there's just still a gap there that might, even if tiger gets over his jitters, it's that, yeah, well, he's still got to beat everyone else. It's, it's not just tiger versus the course. There's, there's still world-class golfers that, they're not trying to catch Jack, but they're trying to add or get majors added to their profile. Yeah, yeah and, and I mean, Alan Shipnuck had a good tweet, and people lost their minds. But he basically said, like, Tiger's like the twelfth, you know, best player in the Masters, or there's you know, ten to fifteen guys with a better chance to win than Tiger this year. And people lost their minds because they want to see Tiger win so badly. But I think, I mean, it's true. That's the case. Tiger is probably the fifteenth, you know, best player in your in your Masters power rankings. Yeah, and I think what that I think that what that means is that over the next four or five years, he's gonna have, like, he's gonna have like a couple of real chances to win majors. I think, but it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be like eight of them. Right, it's gonna be like one or two or or whatever. And you know, even at the PGA last year, you're like, okay, well, we get excited and he finishes second, and but he, but there was never on Sunday like. Especially, uh, I I don't want to say never, but like late on Sunday, you're like, well, Kepka is going to win this. Like it, it it became pretty apparent. And but I do think I think at Augusta or or maybe at a different major, there's going to be a point over the next few years where it's like, if Tiger makes this putt, he's gonna he's gonna win this major, and he might not make the putt, and he might not even win the major, but we're gonna have that moment where it's like, this is this could really happen, but it's not gonna come as frequently as people are familiar with or maybe even like want it to over the next two years right and the the 25 percent that sean you mentioned it's like well what is he going to win a major a year from here on out no absolutely not that's that is ridiculous to ask it's crazy i the thing that i've been thinking about i want to get y'all's opinion on it and, and i'm I don't know. We probably aren't good barometers for this. Maybe Chip more so than than me and Sean because he's a little bit more detached from it. But I, I don't. I don't sense that Tiger is the like he's always the storyline. But it doesn't feel like he's as big of a storyline this year as he was coming in last year. Do you guys agree with that, or you do you disagree? Sean, you go first. I think so because I think we've kind of returned to like the the normal of like, all right, Tiger's back on tour and he's going to play pretty consistently and play the events that he's scheduled to play. And, you know, when he came back last year, this time, you know, he played three really good events, but you're still like, all right, but is he going to be playing in August? Like, is his back going to give out? I mean, is it going to hold up? And now we're like, all right, like Tiger's back. It's fused. It's not going anywhere for now. Um, Like we're just accustomed now to the rhythm of Tiger being at the events we expect him to be at. So I think some of that kind of, you know, surprise and some of that nervousness of like, oh, we can get this tweet, you know, Thursday night that he had to pull out, that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's just Tiger is back in the sense of like Tiger is back as a just a consistent member of the tour. 
um, and healthy. And so I think some of that surprise has lessened. And so I think there's a little bit less of that focus on Tiger. He's just, he's just one of the guys now, not saying he's an average player, but among the elite players, just one of the guys that you just expect him to be there along with Dustin and Brooks and Justin Thomas and Rory. And, um, and I think too, but, but unlike Tiger of old, we're like, all right, I mean, there's a 50% chance he's going to win this and add to his legacy. Now it's like, well, just like every other really good player, he has a good chance and he could win, but you know, we're not showing up on Tuesday thinking like, all right, this is Tiger's tournament to lose. So he is just one of the guys among the elite players, I think. I think that because we have in our, um, you know, so much of, of, of Tiger's grip is a little bit of nostalgia, right? Like it, that is the, the sweet, sweet drip that like just drives us all back because of, um, the, his true era of dominance just being so wildly impressive. One of the biggest, one of the biggest sort of moments in any sport throughout the history of American sports. But because we have Tiger on top of the golf game, but not uh, winning majors in our recent memory, I think that, like Kyle, I think we can click back to that. When was, when was he, uh, he was most recently number one in the world in what, like 2012, 2013? Yeah, thir- 13. Yeah, 2013 wasn't that long ago, but he wasn't uh, winning those majors, yet he was competing at a high level. And I think that because we've got we, – we almost have at least some kind of middle ground between um, you know Tiger at his peak, but then Tiger in terms of the major championships – being, you know, someone, one of those many players in the mix, but not being able to convert it to a win. So I, I do think that we've calmed down a little. Now, all that being said, the, the reason why he is Tiger Woods is because there's a whole bunch of people that don't care who's number one in the world rankings. They don't care uh, who won at the Texas Open, and they weren't following the match play that are just going to show up on to see the the green grass and the red shirt, right? Like it's just, there's just such a segment of the audience that may or may not even consider themselves really golf fans, but are going to tune in for Tiger Woods because he's an American sports hero. Well, it it is funny. It's funny because we get so like worked up. And when I say we, I mean, people like me and Sean about like strokes gained and like proximity to the hole and you know most people don't even know what the world rankings are correct like 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 literally the majority of people who watch the masters could not tell you where what website to go to to find the official world golf rankings like no no clue and even the people that do don't don't know what goes into it and so it's like the 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 narratives become these much bigger picture things than we are used to like me and Sean and, and, and even you chip that cover it, uh, really closely. And so it's like this weird disconnect of like, people don't, people don't care about, uh, the detailed stuff. And yet we're trying to deliver this story that's more detailed. I don't know. It's, it's a very strange thing that happens, uh, every year around the majors, but specifically around the masters. I do think too, I think you're right. Your general sports fan, they want to see Tiger win because they love to witness greatness and history. It's like the old LeBron shirts, like witness. Like if you're a casual fan, you just want to watch the best ever do their thing. And I think with golf fans with Tiger, I think we've realized once he went away that he was, we took him for granted because he did it so often. Like, all right, Tiger won again. Cool. And then Justin Ray starts pumping out all these like crazy stats about <laughs> Tiger's dominance and how it's unprecedented. And then, 
you know, we see other number one players come after Tiger and they go on these great runs, but they can't sustain them because it's so hard to sustain those kinds of runs, you know, and only Tiger did it. So, you know, DJ goes out and wins three straight tournaments. Like, oh, DJ's never going to lose again. He's going to do what Tiger did. But um, no one can do for more than like two months what Tiger did over a decade. And now that we're separated from it, we realize that and we realize that we totally took Tiger for granted. And so now we're like, well, we just want to see it one more time where we can really truly appreciate it. So I think that's why like both golf fans and non-golf fans want to, want to see Tiger one more time. Good points all around. Uh, we will get back into some of the other big faces and stories to watch heading into Augusta with Sean Martin right after this. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Sean, what do we do with Jordan Spieth? How do we reconcile um, one of small sample size, I guess you would say, but one of the best Augusta National, um, one of the best Augusta National Masters performers with a player who, by so many other metrics, seems uh, at least a tier, if not two tiers, away from being in like in the form of contending for major championships. There's there, there's the idea that Spieth just needs to get to Augusta and then everything's going to click into place. And then there's uh, also the understanding that there's so much to be concerned about um, that you can't even hope for the institutional knowledge to, to boost him in that way. So how, how do you look at uh, Jordan Spieth as sort of the individual heading into Augusta? Yeah, I mean, statistically, he's one of the worst players on the PGA Tour. He's 167th in, in strokes gained. He's outside the top 200 and off the tee, 131st in approach, uh, 81st in putting, 121st in around the green. I mean, he's he's one of the worst players in the PGA Tour this season, which is unfathomable. I mean, it seemed like it after he won the Open Championship, but it's so hard. There's that one side of, like, Look, if you can't find the planet with your golf ball, it doesn't matter what kind of heebie-jeebies and good feels you get when you drive down Magnolia Lanes. But at the same time, like <laughs> you see with like a Fred Couples who shows up at like 55 years old, his back is hurting, and he can barely walk, and then he finishes fifth. Or Bernhard Longer, who's 60 years old and getting out driven by 50 yards. And um, I think that 
I, so I don't know what to do with him. I don't think I would pick him next week, which is hard to say. And then, of course, we'll shoot like 67 in the first round. But um, I think there does – I mean, there comes a point where you have to have some level of, of good play. And, and we've seen flashes of it this season. Um, the disconcerting thing has been really that he's played really well on Thursdays and Fridays, and then Saturdays and Sundays uh, he's played horrendously. And obviously – the easy answer would be, well, when they get a little pressure on him, you know, once you're uncomfortable, you can kind of maybe rely on some of your old feels, I guess, on the weekdays. But once the pressure kind of gets there, if you're not sure of things, it blows up pretty fast. And there's no more pressure probably, especially for speed than Augusta. I mean, that's the tournament that he loves the most and he wants to win the most. So I wouldn't be surprised if he contended, but I'm not counting on it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> look, I'll believe that he's not going to play well at Augusta when he doesn't play well because we haven't seen it yet. And even, you know, I was looking back at last year. Last year's results going into the Masters were um, – they weren't as bad as we kind of made them out to be, especially compared to this year. I mean, he had some kind of scattered top 20s. He finished T3 at Houston the week before. So I'm a little interested to see kind of what he does this week in San Antonio at at uh, the Texas Open. Um but man, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like something, you know, I was reading a, uh, I was reading Rick Riley's article on the 96 masters uh, from SI last night about the Fado Norman masters. Mm -hmm. And he's talking, he was talking about how Norman like couldn't even like for, he had an injury or something like he could barely swing the club on, on Wednesday before that masters. Like he couldn't, he's just his back was hurting and all this stuff was going on. And then all of a sudden Thursday morning, like he just snaps out of it and, and plays great for obviously three days, not the fourth, but um, I don't know. I feel like there's just something and it sounds so stupid and cliche, but I feel like there's something about teeing off on that Thursday morning that nothing like, yeah, yes. What Sean's saying is true. Like if you can't find the planet, you can't find the planet, but I mean, even last year, like Spieth goes out, what did he shoot in the first round? 66 last year? And you're like, where, where does this come from? Like, I know he finished T3 last week, but he's been really up and down all year. And I, I think, I mean, I would not bet, if I had to choose like over under 69 and a half for round one, I would go under for him on, on Thursday at the Masters. Lowest, how about this? You see, you said Thursday, over under Jordan Spieth, the lowest round that he'll have. Uh, sixty-seven and a half. Uh, yeah, go. Well, let's keep in mind too that Kyle lives in Dallas, so you can't—he can't leave his front door if he's spewing anti-speed takes. Uh, <laughs> there will be repercussions. So let's just remember that when he starts, you know, getting all, all feel goody. But I got to go over that. I mean, I think, I think a top. 20 this week is a is a victory for him and this is probably all going on the speed family bulletin board and I'm probably public enemy number one now so i know they're big first cut listeners but i don't know man i mean it's just it's such a struggle and i think he but also i think the great thing about speed along with like rory is he's not going to sugarcoat it i mean he he knows he's struggling he, he, you really can't sugarcoat it so i, I don't know i just think a, a top 20 this week for me would be a, a, an impressive finish what do you think kyle what was the number 67 and a half yeah I'll go under. Yeah, me too. His, his his last so his five opening rounds at Augusta last year was sixty six. Two thousand seventeen was seventy five. I don't remember that one. Um 
2016 was 66. At 2015 was 64. Obviously, that was the the record setter. And then 2014, when he finished second to Bubba, was 71. So he's been awesome in first rounds there. But, you know, he hasn't been awesome this year. So we'll see. I'm going to go under, and I'm going to guess that it is – it's going to be paired with at least one or two numbers in the 70s. Like – Yeah. Yeah, just just something about the – that Sunday charge, which of course, you know, I, I love, uh, I love Kyle here just off the jump. You call him BS on the, I wasn't looking at the scoreboard claim. Remember? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Come on. Okay, Jordan. All right. But yeah. <laughs> still operating from that same starting point, the idea that, uh, if, if he fires like a, a 75 or a 73 on a Friday that he might come out Saturday morning and, and drop a 65 on us. So I'm going to go under th- with that as well. I think, I think what's so interesting about Augusta, I think we think of Augusta as being a pretty, um, I don't know, a pretty easy place to score, I guess. And yet it still feels like it means something to break 70 there. Like, I think we've looked at it over the years. We're like, Oh guys are so long now they can play, you know they can play all these par fives so easily. It it is meaningful to shoot in the 60s at Augusta. I mean, Dustin Johnson's only broken 68 twice. Even though I would argue that the the course plays as like a par 69 for him. You know, mm-hmm. and so I I really like that about that course because it it's not it's not super long, but it's it's so um, I don't know. It's just set up so well that it that it's incredibly meaningful to shoot in the 60s there. Sean, who do you have your eye on as we uh, and as we're starting to to zero in? You can give us your pick, but I, I'm I'm all, honestly a little more interested in sort of the discussion or like your huddle or your handful of golfers that you think might be able to win. I think I think all eyes. I mean, this is an easy pick, number one player in the world. But I'm really interested in Dustin Johnson. Uh, his form there or his resume hasn't really kind of lived up to you know his body of work elsewhere. He hasn't. You know, he hasn't really been in the mix on a uh, like a Sunday at Augusta. Like, oh, Dustin has a chance to win the Masters. But um, taking it back to the Players Championship, as my employer would be happy that I do. You look like <laughs> that's a course where he had done nothing. Like he was over par for his career until this year there, um, yeah. and then he finishes, I think, sixth and contended. And it kind of shows that you know he's gotten to a place now where he can play anywhere. I mean, I can't overstate how bad his record was at TPC Sawgrass, and now he's starting to contend there the last couple of years. And with Augusta, he's getting a little bit better every year. So I kind of see a similar um, rise there where it's a course that he just couldn't play before, but now he's gotten so good, uh, he's so well-rounded, so complete, that he can compete anywhere. So there's no reason to think that this can't be a year that he finally you know, contends and wins a Masters. And you know, at the end of the day, a lot of what Augusta is is eating up the par fives. And, and that's why we always say that he should play well there. But um, I mean, that's something that he can do just with obviously his skill set. And then I think Justin Thomas is a guy that I'm curious to see and another guy too, who hasn't probably done a lot at Augusta compared to what he's done elsewhere, but just someone that, um, that I think should also fit well there. I think, and then Justin Rose, my other guy. So Dustin and two Justins are, are my kind of guys I'm looking at. Uh, so, so Dustin Johnson's played 30 rounds at Augusta in his career. How many do you think have been in the sixties? Uh, six. Yeah. Six. You probably knew that. Wow. I didn't. That was a total 
blind guess. But I mean, that's what it was. I mean, CBC Sawgrass, he had an overpar scoring average, like, for his career. I know. And then he's know. contending there now. But I mean, his, his issue, and it, you know, it's just, I, I think we get, and this will this will hold true again this year. Like it's like out of the last twelve Masters, every winner has been uh, inside the top whatever twelve or ten after the first day. And if you look at his first round scores, he's shot one round in the sixties. That was in two thousand thirteen, and then he followed at seventy six, seventy four. It, last year he was 73 round one, 2016, 73 round one, 77 round one in 2014. So you, you just, round one is, it's so important because it takes, you know, especially at a place like Augusta where if you, if you start pressing to shoot that 68 in the second or third round, it can go really sideways because your misses are exacerbated and it just is, it, I I just I don't know for whatever reason I feel like round ones there are more important than they are at, at any other place. Do you think, Sean? Do you think that Dustin Johnson really slipped down the stairs? <laughs> I love the parallelism that then Austin his caddy got hurt uh, on stairs at the before the match play. And yeah, might as well, think- might as well, that was before Valero, wasn't it? or uh, uh, Valspar. Yeah, and then Dustin, you know, not a guy that, you know, not Mr. Chuckles that brings down the house in his press conferences just goes, yeah, man, you got to watch out for those stairs. We'll get you. And so I just, just, I just love the uh, the parallelism uh, between those two because you could definitely see each of them taking a, uh, taking a tumble there. Um, so I, I could see it happening. I think, yeah, I'll, I, I, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I try to, until proven otherwise, I will believe them. Well, expect the best. Just <laughs> a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Wait, I want to. I want to hear your amateur rankings, Sean. Before we go, uh, Hovland and everyone else. Yeah, Hovland. Hovland might win. Who's that? Oh my Who, Who's gosh. that? Oh, jeez. So the greatest Norwegian golfer in history. This is yeah. Him. Seriously, uh, Oklahoma State's number two guy right now, uh, who's also the reigning usam champ he's he's really good i i get it i get in trouble for not knowing some golfers names either on the amateur circuit or from the history books but (laughs) not not gonna apologize for being unable to move past oklahoma state's number one guy with my focus (laughs) i was talking about matthew wolf but hovland uh hovland's been right there pretty neck and neck with him i mean wolf's the better player and will be player of the year but hovland's been pretty close to them they've been pretty dominant this year but I think the bigger thing, frankly, is that off air, you guys are going to talk about Chip not visiting Pistols firing. About We're going to talk about what? Uh, Chip not visiting Pistols firing blog.com. Uh, oh, you yeah, think that's... he would be all up on all the Hoblin news if he would just pay a little closer attention to Kyle's body of work. It's very disappointing. We got we got the Heisman from uh, OSU's media relations on having Hoblin on my OSU podcast. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I get it. Like you don't want to overload somebody the week of them. You know, it, it's he did he did a media deal and we went to it and and it was great. And he's he's awesome. Like he's um he's he's very like he's got a good demeanor for golf. Like he's just always like happy. He's kind of like Fleetwood a little bit. I feel like. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does this week. I think he's. I mean, he's definitely the favorite to be low am, but uh, I don't know. It, it'll be fun. 
He is Sean Martin. You can follow him on Twitter at PGA Tour S Martin. You can follow him at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip. Thanks, guys.